It is the third Sunday in Advent, and uh, we are celebrating uh, this season of anticipation and hope that not only does God give us his word and continue to speak into our lives, not only does he shine his light into the world, but we celebrate that that light is for everyone, for all mankind. And because of that, we can have hope that that light is for you and for me this morning. We've been going through the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, the first 18 verses. Uh, it's not a typical Christmas passage, uh, but we've been talking about how this passage helps us to focus not only on the story of Christmas, but the meaning behind the story. And the meaning behind the story is so important because we recognize that life in this world isn't always what we hope it will be. If you were here with us the first week, Pastor Jeff talked about how sometimes even our experience of Christmas can be somewhat of a chaos carnival, right? Uh, all the busyness of buying presents and uh, uh, what did I want to say? Uh, going before, uh, putting up all the lights, right? And uh, getting all of your uh, calendar to-dos and who you use, house you have to go to and putting all of that together, that's all amidst the normal stuff that we still have to manage and maintain, right? And so the holiday season, while it can be a joyful season, can also become kind of a, a stressful season and we can get weary uh, of the holidays itself. It can also be an emotionally challenging season. And we talked about this last week. It can become weary because sometimes even the very joyfulness of the holiday can highlight our own losses and disappointments and can serve to poke at our very pain. However, what we are suggesting in this Advent season as we look at the first 18 verses of John chapter 1, we're reminded that if we are mindful of the miracle of the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and dwelling among us, we discover that we can have unspeakable joy even in the midst of life's difficulties and the weariness of life in this world. That's why we're spending this Christmas uh, focusing on the meaning of Christmas and, and why we want to understand that what John has to share for us in these first 18 verses helps us to focus on the joy of Christmas, no matter where we find ourselves today. If you've been with us, we've learned so far that the God who spoke creation into existence through his word in the very beginning of time has continued to speak throughout creation and calls people to be his witnesses, to share that word, to share his light in their lives and in their relationships. John the Baptist was an example of this to us. And in a long history of messengers that God sent to his people, he reminds us of God's promises that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. In fact, isn't that really what Christmas is all about? When we celebrate Christmas as Christians, we're telling the story of that true light that came into the world, the story of God's amazing grace, his incredible love for you and for me, which was revealed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who himself is the true gift of Christmas. And that's where we pick it up today. I'm going to invite you to pray with me one more time, and then we're going to jump into the text in verses 9 through 13 of John chapter 1. Would you pray with me? God, we recognize that there's 
a lot of darkness in the world that we live in. We recognize that even in our own lives, sometimes we can find ourselves uh, feeling lost and confused and, and in a sense living in the dark within ourselves, wondering which way to go or how we're going to get out of the situation in which we find ourselves or, or wondering when the weight of the grief and the loss is going to lift. We recognize this morning, God, we need the light of your life to shine into us through the word that you gave us through your son. The source of life to us. Would you shine your light through your word today so that we can experience not only the news that is good, that we can have joy in the midst of our, our darkness, but that you are present with us this morning. Through your Holy Spirit, you are here now speaking to each one of us, inviting us to receive the light again this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John picks up the passage in verse 9. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Light, if you think about it, is a, is a symbol of so many different things for us, right? It's a symbol of knowledge and understanding. We, we can be enlightened in our thinking. It's, it's a symbol of warmth and goodness. And anybody who likes to sit out on a hot rock in the sun and bathe in the sun knows the warmth and the goodness that light can bring in our lives. And it's a, a symbol of life. Think about our own experience of light every day. Life on this planet survives because of the light of the sun. In fact, scientists tell us that one of the most fundamental requirements for a planet to sustain life is that it, it orbits in what they call the habitable zone of a star. They call it the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. See, it's where the, the light of the sun keeps the temperature just right for, for water to stay liquid and for photosynthesis to occur. And if you, if you do much reading about this idea of this Goldilocks zone, some scientists even say that research indicates the relationship between the earth and the sun is so, such a unique balance from a, a purely statistical standpoint, you could say that by all rights, earth perhaps shouldn't even exist. And yet, here we are. We rely on light every day to stay alive. Think about the rhythms of light in our lives. It determines our clocks. It orders our calendars. It guides our paths as we make our way through life in this world. And what the Bible is telling us and what John wants to remind us this morning is that in the very same way that we need light in our physical lives in order to survive and in order to thrive, in order to even get through each day, we also need light intellectually and spiritually as well. We need the eyes of our hearts enlightened to see what the true light really is. 
See, when John says the true light that gives light to everyone uh, was coming into the world, he wasn't comparing true light to false light. It's not a, a true false statement. The word he uses here in the original Greek means meeting the perfect ideal. Or we could say it was the, the ultimate light was coming into the world. The one light that overshadows any other form of light and exposes the imperfections of all other claims to be light. As the true light, it's, it's a real light. It's a steady light. It's an enduring light. And it's worthy, therefore, of our confidence and our trust. Now, unlike the law of Moses that was given to the Israelites specifically as God's chosen people, this light is for everyone. It comes to the whole world. Anyone can access it. Anyone can receive it. Anyone can learn from it. It's not limited. It's not, it, it, it's not uh, restricted in any way. There is freedom for all who would choose to receive this light and to experience the benefits of life that it brings. But the tragedy of the story, however, is that in our broken, in our fallen condition as human beings, humanity often chooses to remain in the darkness rather than entering into the light. Right? And in verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. See, John's reminding us that, that, that he was already in the world, and, and, and scholars suggest that maybe there's a couple ways of understanding what John's talking about. First, because Jesus was already born in the story of John the Baptist, when John was baptizing and Jesus came, and all the disciples went after Jesus, and John said, no, I'm not the Messiah, he's the Messiah, he must become greater, I must become less, right? Jesus was already born in the world at that point in the story. But he is also already in the world in the sense that he started the fact that creation itself was birthed through Jesus, through the word that preexisted the, the physical birth of Jesus. And in that sense, Jesus is present in the world for you and for me today through that same presence of God's spirit. Creation itself bears the stamp in the image of his personality, because the world was created through him, John says. And yet, the world didn't recognize it. In the Bible, the term, the world, isn't usually referring to the physical planet that we live on. More often, it's a reference to the fallen system of human thinking that, that turns itself away from the knowledge of God, that, that, that turns a blind eye to the evidence and the proof that, that God exists and that God wants a relationship with humanity because it gives us the freedom to, to go our own way, to think that we can order our own lives, to pursue life on our terms. However, it's not just the world that somehow failed to see the light, right? John goes on in verse 11 to say, he came to that which was his own. And not only did his own not recognize him, but they didn't receive him. If any culture on earth should have been able to recognize the Messiah, it would have been the people of Israel, right? They had been rescued by God out of slavery in Egypt. They had been given the word of God through the prophets and through Moses, they had been sent leaders to guide them and to help them. And now they've even been given a son out of their own people. And yet he was rejected and hated and ultimately killed by his own people. The true light was coming into the world and the world didn't recognize him. And his own people did not receive him. But John says that 
even if only a few at first, there were some who did receive him, who opened the door to a whole new experience of life in the light. Verse 12, he says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband will, but born of God. See, all who receive Christ, John is saying, through faith become children of God. Those who receive him do so by believing in his name. Well, what does he mean by believing in his name? Is it just an intellectual belief system that we say, yeah, we think that's true, and that's what makes me a Christian, and therefore now I'm somehow a child of God? It's, it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? Think about a name. Uh, think about a name in, in literature or in legal documents or even in our correspondence of human beings. A name becomes a symbol of the person themselves. When you give your signature, right? You, you give your John Hancock, you, you put it on a check or you, you sign the bottom line on a mortgage or, or you write a letter to a friend and you sign your name at the bottom. What, is that, what does that signature mean? What, what does that name do? Well, it's, it's your authorization on the check, right? To, to pay a, 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 a fee. It's your promise to fulfill a debt, it's your confirmation of authenticity that the message that was real, written really is from you. You see, the, the name of Jesus isn't a magical formula or an incantation that if we repeat it often enough, somehow we're going to move God to, to, to act on our behalf. The name of Jesus is the signature of God in the world. It's the signature of the God who wrote the check to pay your freedom. It's the signature of God who covered the mortgage on your life. It's the signature of the God who, who gave his word as a love letter to let you know how much he cares about you and how much he loves you in spite of whatever you've experienced or whatever you've done. He, he wrote a love letter and signed the name Jesus on the bottom and he signed it in his blood. See, believing in the name of Jesus isn't some intellectual kind of activity. It's believing in who he is, trusting in his life, his death, and his resurrection is the only answer for the brokenness of our own lives as a true revelation of God's divine power to save anyone and to save everyone, even you <laughs> and me. Because he loves us that much. See, to believe in the name of Jesus is to put your trust in him. To welcome him into your life as your savior, as your God, as, as your friend. To say yes to Jesus is saying yes to the understanding that in Jesus, God has already said yes to you. It's not just believing intellectually, it's receiving him into our lives. And John says that the result of that kind of faith, the, the result of, of not just believing in the name of Jesus, but in receiving Jesus as, as your Lord and your Savior gives you the right to become a child of God. 
You see, this new life doesn't come from our own human nature. We can't manufacture it. We can't create it. We we can't even really mimic it in our own strength and wisdom and power. It's a new kind of life that has to be birthed in us. It it comes as a gift of God when he he gives us his spirit to to revive us and to, to open us up to a whole new kind of way of understanding that God is real and he's present and he cares about you and he wants to help you in a way that no one else can. It's a gift that comes through putting our faith in the one who, as John says it, is the true light of the world. And, then, and if you think about it, this idea of becoming children might sound a little awkward or it might even be a little scary for some of us. I mean, let's be honest, not all of us have the healthiest family backgrounds, right? And so the idea of being family isn't necessarily good news to all of us. But what about the possibility that God knew from the beginning of creation that in our own brokenness, we would experience the brokenness and the dysfunction of human family And he would need to provide a way for us to experience the ideal of what family really was supposed to be. So he invites us into a a new family. He gives us a new name so that we can begin to live life and relationship together in, in freedom and in grace. And we can find healing and wholeness. And then you know what? It spills out in our own human families begin to to recover and find health and wholeness as well. If you think about it, when, when you become a child, when you're adopted into the family, you take on that new name and, and, and you gain new rights and new privileges as being a part of the family, right? Having that new name not only comes with, with the kinds of privileges that we get, such as mercy and grace and forgiveness and love, but it also gives you power to sign the checks, It gives you the authority to speak in the name of God because you are now a child of God and you can share that same love and that same grace and that same forgiveness and you become light in the world. You see how that works? He's acknowledging that when we say yes to Jesus, we not only gain advantage of the privileges of becoming family, but we receive the power and the authority that comes with taking on the family name. We receive an inheritance from the Heavenly Father, the Bible says. It's a spiritual inheritance that becomes ours to invest and to use and to spend. Right? The parable of the talents, Jesus told. He doesn't want you to go bury it in the ground hoping that somehow God's not going to be mad at you. He wants you to go out and invest it. He wants you to spend it. He wants you to use it. And that's where life takes on a whole new joy and significance because no matter what circumstances we experience, we have the most valuable gift that we could ever give away. No matter how rich or poor you are, worldly speaking, you have become a daughter and a son of the king with untold riches to spend lavishly and generously as you shower others with the same gifts that God has given us in Jesus. See, the presence and the power of Christ in you through the Holy Spirit is the down payment, the Bible says, on this inheritance that God is already giving you permission to spend. no matter where you find yourself this Christmas. John's message is a message for each one of us. Do we recognize true light when we see it? 
What areas of your life this morning do you need a new light to shine into the darkness that you've been living in, to to shatter the confusion that you've been struggling through, to overcome the fear and the doubt that maybe has been hanging on to you for too long? The question is, will we recognize him when he shows up in our lives? And then the second question that I think John poses for us here is, will we receive him when he does? See, the reality is that Jesus is still coming into the world. That Jesus is still coming to you and to me each and every day with the invitation to step out of the darkness of our lives and enter into the the light of his love. Sadly, not only do people reject the light that he brings, but they end up running from the very source of the light. That's why the Bible says repentance is needed, right? Repentance isn't feeling guilty. Repentance is turning around and going in the opposite direction. Too many of us are running from the light, hoping that the light isn't going to expose our brokenness and our sinfulness and the ways that our lives aren't measuring up. All the while, God already knows where we're at. And he's not wanting to punish us. He's not wanting to judge us. He's wanting to, to, to heal us and wash us clean and set us on a new path so that we can overcome those dark and broken places in our lives. If we're honest, even when we desire to be seeking God's will, we tend to turn and go our own way, don't we? Even as pastors, we turn and go our own way, right, Dick? I see you smiling. (laughs) Right, Jeff? (laughs) None of us are perfect. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Whatever your position or your title or your role, it doesn't matter. Our own human tendencies are to turn away from the light and to want to hide our inner selves from the God who made us and the God who loves us. All the while, the only one that we're really fooling is ourselves. This Christmas... For those who want to know, for those who want the light, John is telling us that there is more than enough evidence. The scriptures that God has given, the stories of transformed lives, the miracles that God has performed, even creation itself speaks of the glory of God, the Bible says. There's evidence everywhere if you're willing to look. And more than that, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues to offer the evidence to you and to me of the gift of his presence in our lives. We simply need to be willing to say yes to Jesus. This Christmas, we have the opportunity to believe in the name of Jesus again, to receive him into our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus. And and, and this Christmas, God is, is moving you and is speaking to you in a new way. And he is prepared for you to be here this morning because this might be your moment that God wants you to, to finally put down your defenses and to acknowledge that he has been chasing after you and he loves you and he wants you to be in his life, even as you need him in yours. And your invitation this Christmas is simply to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've been coming here for week in and week out, and you know that in your heart of hearts, you've been running from God. 
you're, you're hiding in the church and you think you can hide in the light, but God knows and you know that you haven't really been pursuing God and you haven't been allowing God and his light into your life. And maybe this morning is God's invitation to you to say yes to Jesus again. Because all of us need those moments when we acknowledge that we've gotten off track and we've stepped too far and we've wandered too far away. And it's time, like the prodigal son, to simply admit our failure and to come home because God is a loving father who's already running to you to welcome you back, to throw a party and to celebrate that you've come to your senses. (laughs) Even in our weariness, We can fall on our knees and hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night, and Christ was born. Maybe this Christmas, Christ can be born in you in a fresh, in a new in a powerful way, and you too can realize that you are a child of God. The gift of Christmas, men and women, is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for the true light that shines even today in our lives as we hang our Christmas lights on our houses and on our trees and we we drive around seeing all the lights going up, God, would you remind us that you have given us the true light in your son, Jesus. And God, for those of us this morning that that have never said yes to Jesus, but, but know that right now you are calling us, we just pray, God, together. Would you come into our hearts? Would you invade our lives with your light in a way that that washes us clean of the sin and the brokenness and the struggle that we've been living with to set us on a new path as we put our trust in Jesus, the true light and the true word, the one that can order our schedules and guide our paths into the righteousness that you desire for our lives. We say, yes, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Help me to understand what all of that means for me. And God, for those of us who've been following Jesus, many of us for a long time, who we acknowledge this morning have been running away, hiding in the light, God, forgive us. Help us to have the courage to turn back to you, not out of fear, but but out of the freedom of joy that you love us and that you you don't want us to be separate from you, but you want us to experience your grace and mercy again. And God, for all of us, would you help us to love one another with that same love and that same light that gives mercy and grace to one another that allows us to make mistakes, but to stay together and to experience the joy of being part of your family in a new, in a non-dysfunctional way, but the one that shares that reconciliation and healing and wholeness are possible. God, this Christmas, we open the gift that you have given us. We say yes to Jesus and receive him again this morning in our lives. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.